Okay, uh, brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of the BQA. For tonight, we're going to answer the question, is water baptism necessary for salvation? This quite a relevant topic because people want to know what they need to do uh, to receive salvation. Because we know when we look at the world and what's happening throughout the, uh, the world today, uh, many things point to the end. And when the end comes, we want to be confident that we will receive salvation and life everlasting. And so we're going to discuss all about baptism and its relationship to the attainment of salvation. So the question has its basis from one of our viewers who sent in an email. Let's go ahead and take a look at the email. This is what it says. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for reaching out to me. And I would really love to be a part in knowing all about your ministry. I don't have Facebook or Spotify. I only communicate through email or text. I am pretty old school when it comes to these high-tech ways of communication. But I really would like to be a part of a live service since I have found this wonderful news of his real name. No one in my area believes this doctrine of the apostles. Don't get me wrong. I have been in his saving grace for over 40 years. But it was with the United Pentecostal Church that the Lord led me to the truth in whom we must call upon, that is our Savior, Yahushua and my Yahuwah Elohim. So my question to you is that if your ministry believes in water baptism in the name of Yahushua Messiah, and that it is a must in order to be saved. And so the question is raised concerning salvation specifically. Um, do we believe that water baptism, according to the name of the Messiah, Yahushua, is a must in order to receive <coughs> uh, salvation? And so let's begin with this question, is baptism a must in order to be saved? Let's read the book of Matthew chapter 28, the verses are 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what we read to you was the instruction of our King Yahushua prior to ascending to heaven. And so he appoints his apostles and also appoints his disciples to go out and make disciples of all nations. This is why the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua is to do exactly that. We are going to make disciples of all nations because this is a command of our King Yahushua. If it's a command, I believe it is a must, a command. It's not a suggestion. It is something that we must do. And it is to make disciples of all nations. Well, how does one become a disciple of our King Yahushua? The Bible says by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this is our objective in the assembly of Yahushua to preach the word of God and to convince people those who believe and have faith to receive the true baptism. Now, why does our King Yahushua want people to become his disciples through baptism? What is the hope of those who believe and have become disciples because of baptism? Let's read the book of Mark 16, 15 to 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. What is the hope of those who become disciples 
because they believe the gospel and receive the true baptism. Bible says, Christ himself says, they are going to be saved. And so there is this direct connection between receiving baptism and receiving salvation. This is why when people ask us, what do we need to do to be saved? We need to be baptized by believing in the gospel. We need to receive the true baptism into Christ Yahushua. This was the command of our king himself. Well, after this command was given and the apostles began to preach the gospel, what proves that it's not enough simply to profess faith, but they also need to receive baptism. Let's read the book of Acts 16, 29 to 31. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Yahushua, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Now, what we read to you there is about the miracle that took place in the jail cell because uh, Apostle Paul and Silas were committed to jail for preaching the gospel, for preaching about Yahushua, which caused people to lose their jobs because they were selling idols. And the gospel, of course, forbids the worship of idols. We turn to Yahuwah and to Yahushua. So a lot of people lost their jobs or upset with Apostle Paul. They were committed to prison, but in prison, they began to sing the hymns. In prison, Yahuwah was moved to perform a miracle which set Paul and Silas free. What was that miracle? It was a great earthquake, right? Which caused the dungeons, the dungeon doors, the jail, the doors of the jail cell to fly apart and they were set free. Of course, the jailers are going to be in trouble because what are the, how are they going to explain what happened? They're not going to believe there's a big earthquake, right? And so they're in big trouble. And so they want to commit suicide. But then Apostle Paul says, no, don't do that. So the jailer approaches them and they ask the question, sir, what must I do to be saved? Because they saw firsthand the power of worshiping Yahuwah. And so when they saw this power, they were moved to believe and they were seeking salvation. This is why they asked, what must I do to be saved? What was the immediate response or the immediate answer of the Apostle Paul? He says, believe in the Lord, Yahusha, and you will be saved. And so we want to let everyone know for us to receive salvation, brethren, it begins by believing Yahusha. We cannot be saved unless we believe in Yahusha. In fact, the Bible tells us those who do not believe Yahushua and accept the peace of the Son of God are condemned already. This is why we need to believe. We need to have faith. Now, one might say, well, I do believe. I have faith in Yahushua. Is it simply professing that you have faith that proves that you indeed believe? Because nowadays it's so easy to say, I believe, right? You may like, like a Facebook page or maybe share it with someone else. Oh, I share the page. I like the page, therefore I believe it's not that simple. Because if we truly believe, what, what proves that faith or belief in our King Yahushua? The apostles say to the jailer, believe in the Lord Yahushua and you will be saved. What happens after that? 32 to 33. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them 
and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And so, according to the Holy Scriptures, what happened after the word of God or the jailer asked what he needs to do to be saved. Bible says, Apostle Paul says that you need to have faith in Yahushua. And then they begin to preach or share the word of the Lord. In other words, they preached they preach all about Yahushua. Because when one is called upon to have faith or believe in Yahushua, we need to ask the question, well, what do I need to believe about Yahushua to be saved? This is why there was a preaching about Yahushua for them to receive salvation. After they believed, what did they receive? Baptism. And so to complete the work of salvation, the apostles not only preached, the jailer did not only profess faith, he also received baptism. And this is why there's a connection between salvation and receiving baptism. Now, what is that connection? Why does our King Yahushua instruct people to receive baptism to receive salvation? What hinders a person from receiving salvation? Let's read the book of Romans. Chapter 6 and the verses 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Yahushua, our Lord. And so what prevents a person from receiving salvation? It is sin. Because of sin, what happened to man? He became separate from Yahuwah. He became an enemy of Yahuwah. And if he does not change his standing from being an enemy to becoming a friend of Yahuwah, then guess what? That person cannot receive salvation. This is why a person needs to address the problem of sin. Well, brother, I may not be perfect, but I have, I think I'm a pretty good person. You know, I, I know I commit sins every once in a while, but for the most part, I do my best to live a good life, a righteous life. I don't do anything wrong against my fellow citizens. I help my neighbor who is in need. But I don't believe in Yahushua. Is that person going to receive salvation? You see, the problem with that thinking is for a person to receive salvation, he needs to be perfect. How perfect? A hundred percent perfect. Question, how many of us are a hundred percent perfect? I think none of us would dare say, I am a hundred percent perfect. Yes, many of us are good people according to the standards of this world. However, for us to receive salvation, we have to meet the standard of Yahuwah, which is perfection. Well, we know that is impossible. Yes, this is why for one to be saved, we need to receive the gift of salvation and eternal life. This is why a person cannot say, I'm saved because I did this, or I did that, or I did that work. No, to receive salvation, it must be because of the grace of Yahuwah. It is the gift of God. But does it mean... We're not going to do anything. Of course, we have to receive that gift. The gift is offered freely to all human beings, regardless of nationality, regardless of one's religion. That free gift is given. But the problem is not many people receive their free gift. It's like when McDonald's, let's say, as an example, McDonald's says, we're going to give you a free happy meal. But to get it, you have to go to McDonald's. But if you don't go to McDonald's, do you get the free happy meal? Of course not. Yahuwah is offering the free gift 
But for us to receive that free gift, we need to be in Christ, Yahusha. This is why what Yahuwah wants is for people to be in Christ, Yahusha, because outside of Yahusha, there's only sin and death. In Yahusha, there is salvation. There is life everlasting. Why is there life everlasting in Christ, Yahusha? Let's read Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Yahushua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What is confirmed concerning those who are in Christ Yahushua? The Bible says there's no condemnation. Even if one is guilty of sin, if a person remains in Christ, that person is set free from sin, and that person is no longer condemned. And so what we need to be sure of before the return of our king or before judgment day comes, we need to be certain we're in Christ, right? Not outside of Christ, but in Christ. Because for those in Christ, there's no condemnation. For those in Christ, there is the gift of everlasting life. Well, how is one added or become part of our, our king, Yahushua? Let's read the book of Corinthians. 12, 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized. You see the word baptized? We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. How is, can a person be brought into fellowship with or into union with or be in Christ Yahushua? Apostle Paul says that person must be baptized into Christ, Yahushua. This is why Yahushua says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Does it mean when a person is added into Christ, Yahushua, he is no longer a sinner? Yes. In what sense? What does that mean? Colossians 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. When a person is now in the body of our King Christ Yahushua, what is his standing? He is not perfect in the eyes of Yahuwah. Why? Is it because he's personally perfect? No. We remain sinners as human beings. But if we are in Christ Yahushua, who becomes our head? Yahusha. Yahusha now represents us. He becomes our head. We become parts of his body in the eyes of God. When he looks at us, he doesn't see us. Who does he see? Yahusha. And so even if we're not perfect, the perfection of Yahusha has been imputed upon us as parts of his body. This is why Yahusha is telling people, be baptized. Because when you're baptized, you are added into Yahushua. You're in fellowship with Yahushua. And so even if you're not perfect in the eyes of Yahuwah, you are perfect and qualified for salvation. Well, how does this happen? Let's read the book of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so when a person is baptized into the body of Yahusha, and who is the head once again? Our King Yahusha. When we're added to his body, we become what? A new creation. That's what it means to be born again. Remember Nicodemus and his conversation with our King Yahusha? Yahusha said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus asked Christ, well, what does that mean? Does it mean I go back to my mother's womb? No, we need to be born again through the spirit. What does that mean? We are created within a new creation. What is this new creation? Yahusha is the head. We become parts of his body. Mrs. Spike, Yahusha, our king, created in himself the one new man. And that one new man is our key for us to have the right standing before Yahuwah, our loving father. This is why for a person to receive, for a person to be saved, he needs to be baptized. And so what does Apostle Peter preach in the book of Acts 2.38? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yahushua Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so our sins are forgiven. Our sins go in remission when we're baptized. Why? Because when we're baptized, we're added where? Into the body of Christ. Who becomes our head? Yahusha. Is that beneficial for us? Yes. Because even if we are not perfect, because Yahusha is our head, the perfection of our King Yahusha is imputed upon us, and sins are no longer counted against us. This is why it's the free gift of salvation. Well, what if a person is unable to receive baptism? What if a person is hindered and there's no opportunity to receive baptism? Does that mean a person can no longer be saved? Let's read the book of Luke, chapter 23, 39 to 43. One of the criminals. Uh, who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Yahusha, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yahusha answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Here we have the situation on the cross because when Christ, our King, was nailed to the cross, there were he had two companions, two people with him, right? And both of them were criminals. One of the criminals, well, he basically insulted our King Yahushua and said to him, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us, right? But the other one, what can you sense about this other criminal? He was repentant, and he had faith. He was repentant. He had faith in King Yahusha. What's the proof? He had faith. He said, Yahusha, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did our King Yahusha say to him? Did Yahusha say to him, I'm sorry, you're not baptized. Is that what King Yahusha said? No. What did he say? He says, today, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in. 
paradise. So that day, our King Yahushua told them you're going to be saved. Now, does that mean we don't need to receive baptism? No, we do. Because it's a command, right? And there's a reason for that command. To satisfy the righteous requirement of Yahuwah for us to obtain salvation. To be added to the body of Yahushua so that we no longer have to pay for our own sins. That's why we need baptism. Well, how come this criminal did not receive baptism and will be saved? Well, that's the exception. How can he receive baptism when he's on the cross? You see, our King Yahushua is the author of our eternal life, right? He is the one who will judge and he will make the final decision concerning whether or not we will be saved. I'm sure there are people who receive salvation, who receive baptism, but will not be saved. And there are probably people who were not baptized because they were not given the opportunity, but still might be saved. Who gets to make that decision? Not me, not you, but the one who is called the Savior. Who is that? Our King, Yahushua. However, we need to keep in mind the revealed teaching, what we are responsible for, it what is what has been taught, what is clear from Scripture, we need to heed the command to receive baptism. That's doctrine. That is a command. And so let us not create a doctrine out of the exception. This is an exception. But the command is, generally speaking, one needs to receive baptism to be saved. Now, question now comes up, you know, is it enough, however, to receive baptism to be saved? Is it possible a person you know, gets immersed into the water, they receive baptism? Is it possible that this person will not be saved? I think that's possible because we must not think of salvation as a one-time event. It's a process because it's a relationship. What's the proof? Let's read Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do good or to do for his good pleasure. So according to the Apostle Paul, when a person, for example, receives baptism and belongs to a community of faith, believers or believers in Christ Jesus, let's say they belong to a group who is practicing the faith. Let's say they belong to the assembly of Yahushua, baptized in the name of our king. Does it mean automatically this person is going to be saved? Not yet. Because the Bible says a person now has to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. You see, salvation is not by group. It's individual. A person who is baptized receives now the opportunity to receive salvation because now he has become perfect in Christ, Yahushua. However, there's something that, still he, that he still has to do. Work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what does that mean? In Philippians 2, 12 to 13, in the TEV, keep on working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation. Because God is always at work in you to make you willing and to obey his own purpose. And so after receiving baptism, after professing faith in, in our King, Yahushua, we have to complete our salvation. 
How can we complete our salvation? By responding to Yahuwah's work in us. That's why Apostles, Apostle Paul says in verse 13, if you will look, it says, because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. You see, when we were called into fellowship with Yahusha, it establishes a relationship with who? Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so that's what our baptism brings to us. It creates a covenant relationship between us and Yahuwah and Yahusha. You see, when it comes to salvation, it's not about a formula. It's not about some prayer that we're going to make. And then presto, you're saved, right? It's about a relationship. What do we do with that relationship determines whether or not we're going to be Remember the famous statement of our King Yahusha. Many will call me Lord, Lord, but will not be saved. Many will call out demons or cast out demons in my name, perform miracles in my name. But I will say to them, I do not know you. The word know, to know someone. What does that entail? A relationship. They may profess the name. They may use the name. They may have been baptized by that name. But if they don't nurture that relationship, Yahusha has every right to say to them, I don't know you. You use my name, but I don't know you. And so we need to keep in mind when it comes to salvation, yes, we need baptism. But baptism, that is what provides us with the opportunity to have a relationship, a covenant relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. This is why we have to nurture that relationship. Well, how does Yahuwah establish his covenant with us? And what is the connection through that with baptism? Let's go back in history all the way to Abraham. Genesis 17, 9-10. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. I want to pause it for a while. When it comes to a covenant, it's a commitment and agreement, right, between one party and another person, right? It's an agreement between two parties. When it comes to Yahuwah's covenant, it's a covenant or agreement between Yahuwah and the people who worship him. And so when the covenant is made, there are terms to the covenant. And so God says to Abraham, because Abraham or God is established the terms of the covenant. So there are terms to the covenant. In other words, God has his part and we have our part, right? So you and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. All must be circumcised. Their bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. And so what was one of the terms of the covenant that Yahuwah made with Abraham? Circumcision. Right? This is called the mark of his everlasting covenant. What is circumcision? Think about it. What is circumcision? It's cutting off, right? In, in the physical circumcision, it's the cutting of the foreskin. And so when Yahuwah is speaking about circumcision, it's about setting apart a people to become a covenant 
family. And the mark of that covenant during the days of Abraham, during the days of Moses, is how? Physical circumcision. Okay, But its purpose and meaning is to set apart a people for himself. They're called the covenant family. Is it a blessing to belong to the covenant family? Yes, because those who belong to the covenant family are the ones who will be heirs of the promises of God. This is why we cannot receive any promise outside of the covenant family. And how, how binding or until when is this covenant good for? Bible says, what does it say? Everlasting covenant. This is why even during the days of Moses, for a person to become part of the covenant nation of Israel, the covenant family of God, what did people have to do? Exodus 12, 48 to 49, if there are foreigners living among you who want to celebrate Yahuwah's Passover, let all their males be circumcised. Only then may we celebrate the Passover with you like any native-born Israelite. But no uncircumcised male may ever eat the Passover meal. This instruction applies to everyone, whether a native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. And so for a person to become a full-fledged Israelite, having the covenant rights of the covenant family to worship Yahuwah and receive his promises, what had to happen to them? They had to receive circumcision. Why? Because circumcision is the mark of the covenant. And so the covenant speaks of a relationship between Yahuwah and his people during our time. Do we also need to receive circumcision? What is your answer? Yes. After all, it is an everlasting. Come in. An everlasting covenant, right? We need to receive the mark of the covenant. Do we also receive circumcision today? Yes. But what kind of circumcision do we receive? Let's read Colossians 2, 11, 12. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so during our time today, does Yahuwah God require the mark of the everlasting covenant that Yahuwah God made with Abraham? Does he require that we get circumcised? Yes. But what is the circumcision process today? It's not a physical one, but a spiritual one. How is one circumcised when one receives baptism? What is the meaning of circumcision again? To cut, right? When a person is baptized in Christ Yahushua, what is cut off? The Bible says what is cut off is our sinful nature. This is why when we're baptized, we are immersed into the water. We die with Yahushua and our old self is cut off and left buried in the water so that we can be raised to new life. That's the circumcision that is complete. The cutting off, not of the foreskin, but the cutting off of our sinful nature so that we can be raised new creations in Christ Yahushua. And when we are baptized, we now become a part of the covenant family of God. Do you know what that means? 
Let's read uh, Galatians 3, 26, 29. You, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Yahushua, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on a character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Yahushua. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And so when a person is baptized into Christ, Yahushua, the Bible says he now is in union with Christ, has become the seed of Christ. He puts on Christ because he becomes our head. Christ represents us. And that means we now become a part of Abraham's seed. And so we belong to the covenant family that Jehovah God has made in covenant with Abraham. We now belong to Abraham's people. We now belong to the people of God. And so baptism is a relationship or it leads to a relationship. Those who truly believe and trust in Yahushua enter into a covenant relationship with him through baptism. In other words, baptism is not an end to itself. Baptism is what enables us to practice the rights given to us, the, the free gift to participate in the family of God, to relate with Yahuwah and Yahushua. That's what baptism gives us. Now we have to work on that relationship. We cannot enter a covenant relationship with Yahuwah through Yahushua and then not do our part. And so what is our part after receiving baptism? Apostle Paul speaks about this in the book of Romans 6, 4. Well, then, uh, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I want to pause up for a while because this is the idea and mentality of some people. Right? They receive baptism in the name of Yahushua. And they believe they're saved for good. That's impossible for them to lose their salvation. They can sin all they want. They can forget all about Yahuwah, forget about Yahushua. Anyways, I have faith. Anyways, I receive baptism. And so my sins are forgiven. Therefore, I'm going to be saved. Well, it's true. Your sins are forgiven. But the question is, will we remain in that covenant relationship? Because we have to maintain that relationship we have with Yahuwah and Yahushua. This is why baptism is not a license to commit sin. Apostle Paul says, should we keep on sinning? And what's the answer in verse 2? What does he say? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Yahushua in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So what's the purpose of our baptism? The purpose of our baptism is to bury the old self. So that what comes out of the water is the new self. And this new self is characterized by living a new life. What kind of life is this? Let's read 5 to 8. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves 
We're crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. That's the purpose of baptism. The purpose of baptism is to separate us from sin. To bury it, to say goodbye to sin. So that we can live with who? With Yahusha and with Yahuwah. And so that's our relationship. We live with him, not, in, con not uh, in contrast to him, not contrary to him. We live with him. He becomes our head, and Yahuwah becomes our Abba. This is why when we receive baptism, we have to nurture now that relationship because baptism establishes the ongoing relationship we have with Yahuwah and Yahusha. This is why, brothers and sisters, let us not take for granted the free gift that Yahuwah has given us when we were invited and called into fellowship with his son. Let's make the most of it. Let's nurture that covenant relationship that we have through baptism. Okay. Now, okay. How about baptism? Because the, the question was asked pertains to water baptism, right? Is the baptism that our king instructed, is it water baptism? Does Yahusha command water baptism? If so, how is it administered? And the reason why people ask this question is because of Acts 1 verse 5. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so does the baptism by water, baptism by the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism by the Holy Spirit? Well, when a person receives the Holy Spirit. Right, he's baptized by the Holy Spirit when the person doesn't receive the Holy Spirit and he wasn't baptized by the Holy Spirit. So, our King Yahushua says, Okay, John baptized with water, but now the assembly, the body of Christ, the people who belong to him, they're going to receive something else, they're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, there are those who are asking, Well, because now we have the power of the Holy Spirit, do we still need to receive baptism with water, or is baptism by the Holy Spirit enough? Do we still need baptism with water? The answer is yes. What's the proof? Let's read the book of uh, Mark 16, 15 to 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. So our King Yahushua commands his people to make disciples of men by baptizing them, right? Anyone who believes and is baptized will be Say And so let's take a look at the Greek word used for baptize. In the Blue Letter Bible, you find baptize to be the Greek word baptizo, which means, take a look, to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water. Okay, so it's clear the theme of water and cleansing and immersion comes up using that, word, that Greek word, bap, uh, bap, baptizo, to immerse, submerge, make whelm or fully wet. And so looking at the word baptize, when our King Yahushua instructed his disciples to make disciples of men, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that they will receive salvation, the word baptize is to immerse. This is why when we administer baptism, 
what do we do? We don't sprinkle water. We don't pour water on the head. What do we do? We immerse the person into the water because that's what it means to dip into the water or to submerge into the water so that they will be fully wet. That's the definition of baptism. And so that's what we practice in the assembly of Yahushua. Now, what proves that during the ministry of the apostles and the disciples, when they baptized, it was with water baptism. Let's read the book of Acts 8, 36 to 39. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And so here we have the eunuch who requested baptism. And when baptism was done, what was required? A lot of water, right? Why? Because they would go into the water and then come out of the water. Notice when the eunuch comes out of the water, he was filled with rejoicing because he received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so water baptism is the baptism that was instructed by our King Yahushua and was practiced by the disciples of Yahushua. What further proves this? In the book of Acts 10, 44 to 48, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And then verse 47, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Yahushua Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And so this was Cornelius in his household. He got a vision from an angel instructing him to summon Simon Peter, the apostle. And when Peter came, he preached the gospel to Cornelius and the household. They were moved to believe. And as they believed, the spirit came down. And then what happened after that? Uh, Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They received the spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. But there was still also the practice of baptism by immersion. Baptism by water. What also proves this? Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. So the Apostle Paul is teaching us about our responsibility after receiving baptism. Bible says the church or the people who are added to the church or to the assembly are added to the assembly by baptism because they believe the word of God. After they are baptized, they have to work on sanctification. What does that mean? They need to work on the relationship with Yahuwah. And so those who are going to be presented to our father Yahuwah, the ones that Yahushua will present as the, the first fruit during the day when the trumpets are blown, are those who have become mature, those who have been sanctified after the washing of water by 
the word. And so this tells us, yes, there's baptism by water, but that's not enough. We have to work on the work of sanctification. We have to work on our relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so we need to receive baptism. And after baptism, we need to work on perfecting our faith and doing the work of Yahuwah Abba. So what are the requirements for baptism, right? Who can be baptized according to scriptures? Because there are some religious organizations who baptize infants, right? Should infants be baptized? I mean, who should be baptized anyways according to scripture? So what are the requirements for baptism? In the book of Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yahushua Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's one requirement. We need to repent. What also must we do? The Bible says we need to believe. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And so there's this requirement not just to repent, but also to believe in the good news. They go together. What is the purpose of repentance? To forsake sin. What's the purpose of the good news? So that we can move towards living a holy life through our king, Yahushua, because it's through the good news that our sins are forgiven so that we can be, so that we can be set free to obey the commands of our father, Yahuwah. So we need to believe. Unless a person truly believes, unless a person is moved to repentance, that person is not qualified to receive baptism. And so let's look back. When you were baptized, when we were baptized, maybe we were younger. Maybe some of us were baptized when we were eight or maybe nine or maybe 10. Maybe some of us were forced to receive baptism, right? Because sometimes of the, some of the pressure the parents receive from the church leadership, there are instances where the kids are kind of forced to be baptized, right? And so now we have to revisit that. When we were baptized when we were younger, did we really believe? Did we have faith? Did we truly repent? Because if not, I don't know how effective that baptism is, right? Maybe we need to be baptized again because it not, it's not based on true repentance and not based on true faith. And so for one to be baptized, they must be moved to repentance. They must believe in the good news. Well, what's the good news? What's the good news that we must first receive so that we can have faith and by faith receive the true baptism? Let's read the book of Romans, chapter 10, 9 to 13. There are many doctrines found in the Bible, right? There are many teachings in the Bible. But this is the core doctrine of the good news right here. This is what we need to believe. If we receive this and believe this, that's enough for you to receive baptism. What is that? Apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Yahushua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. What's the core doctrine of the good news that we must embrace and believe so that when we receive baptism, it becomes a powerful effect in our life and brings us to become a new creation in Christ Yahushua. We need to confess with our mouth that Yahushua is Lord. In other words, 
we need to allow Yahushua to lead our life. We have to surrender to him and say to him, you are my head, you are my Lord. I deny self so I can become your disciple. This is why our King Yahushua says, unless a person denies himself, he cannot be my disciple. We need to accept him as Lord. Yahushua cannot be our savior without first making him our Lord. Because many people want Yahushua to be their savior, but they don't want Yahushua to be their Lord, right? They want the blessing of salvation without the responsibility of accepting the Lordship of our King Yahushua. Now, we need to accept him as our Lord. We need to believe that he is the Son of God. We need to believe that he died for our sins. We need to believe that he was resurrected because of the grace of Yahuwah Abba. And then after receiving this baptism, we begin to grow in our faith and we begin to call upon the name of our God. His name is Yahuwah. And so there is a good news that was preached. And so when Yahushua went to heaven and he preached the good news, this is what they preached. There was only like 28 lessons or 29 lessons that they had to finish first. No, this is it. This is if sufficient. Because if you're going to tell me, we're going to add to that, then you're saying that the people living during this time, they're lacking in what they believe. No, this is all we truly need. Believe the essential doctrine. Believe this faith that Apostle Paul has taught us. And so what proves this is the essential doctrine? Let's go to the book of Acts. This is an important part of our study. We need to know what the essential doctrines are. Acts Chapter 2, 22 and 24. Men of Israel, listen to this. This is like the first preaching episode of Apostle Peter after Yahushua went to heaven. Like he was the first evangelist, really. Apostle Peter was speaking to the men of Israel. Listen to this. Yahushua of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you. By God set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So Apostle Peter, when he began to preach, what did he preach about? He preached about Yahushua, because we need to believe about Yahushua. What do we need to believe about Yahushua? That he's Lord, he's the Son of God. He died for our sins, and he was resurrected by our Father, do you believe that? Well, the men of Israel, when they received this teaching, some of them believed. What else uh, did they preach? 20, 29 to 33. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Yahushua to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Apostle Peter did not just preach about Yahushua, he testified about Yahushua. We saw him with our own eyes. He was alive again. Yes, he died, but he was risen on the third day. He is the Christ exalted to be at the right hand of Abba. Believe in him. And so when Israel 
received this, what did Apostle Peter say to them? Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Yahusha, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. In other words, what did they do? When you're cut to the heart, what does that mean? You are repent. They repented and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you, you need to repent, right? You need to have faith. What does it mean to have faith? With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupted, corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And so those who accepted the message, those who repented, they were baptized. But first, the preaching of the good news had to happen first. And they believed it and accepted it and repented when they found out Yahusha is the Christ. Okay? And so that was for the people of Israel. Well, how about the Gentiles? Is it the same thing? Is it the same doctrine? Let's read the book of Acts. This is Cornelius and his family. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know, the message of God went to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace to Christ Yahushua, who is Lord of all. You know... What has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after baptism that John preached, how God anointed Yahushua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. And so when he was, his audience, when the Apostle Peter's audience now are the Gentiles, no longer the people of Israel, his message, did it change? No. He was still preaching about who? Yahushua. That he is the anointed of Yahuwah. What else did he preach about Christ? We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, crucifying him. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people and by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What else did Apostle Peter preach about Yahushua? That he died, but he was risen on the third day. Again, that's the gospel message. And those who believe, what happened to them? They received the Holy Spirit, and they were baptized with water. We read this passage earlier. And so the gospel that Yahusha is Lord, that sees the Son of God, was put to death for our sins. But he was resurrected by Yahuwah and anointed him to sit at his right hand. This is the gospel message that we must receive. What further proves it? So we have the men of Israel. We have the preaching of the Apostle Peter to the Gentiles. Here's another one, the book of Acts. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Yahushua to him. Now, as they went down the road, 
they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And so what we have here is Philip, a disciple, an evangelist. He encounters a eunuch who came from Ethiopia, right? And he's reading Isaiah 53. And he was reading out loud and apostle Philip overhears him and then tells him the passage you're reading, do you know who it's about? And he says, no. And so Philip explains, that is about Yahushua. And he began to preach about Yahushua. Isaiah 53 is about the uh, punishment, right? The scourging and the death of our King Yahushua. And then uh, Philip begins to speak and to preach Yahushua to him. After he preached, the, the eunuch asks the question, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And so what did Philip say to him? And Philip said, if you believe, if you believe in all your heart, you may. And so believing the gospel message is a requirement for one to receive baptism. This is why a person cannot be baptized when he or she's an infant. How can they believe with all of, this, all of their heart? How can they repent? The eunuch, for him to be baptized, he needed to believe. Believe what? Believe that Yahushua is the prophesied Messiah. That he died, was resurrected for our sins. Okay? This is why the requirement is to repent and to have faith that Yahushua is our King, our Lord, the Son of God, who was put to death and resurrected for our salvation. Okay? All right. So let's go to the last question for today. Can a person be baptized again? Right? Can a person be baptized in? Because there are those who want to receive baptism when they go to Israel. They say, I want to be baptized, brother, in the Jordan River where Yahushua was baptized. Would that be a sin? I mean, if we decide, I want to get baptized again, is that biblical? Well, first of all, there's no record. I, I, at least as far as I know. As far as I know, there's no record in the Bible of a person receiving baptism more than once. But then again, not everything was written in the Holy Bible. Right? Many events took place, not everything was written. And so there's no record in the Bible in the Bible of a person receiving baptism more than once. However, there's also no record in the Bible that prohibits a person from believe, from receiving baptism again. And so should we can I receive baptism? Is it needed to receive baptism? Again, we know if you're baptized and you have faith and were truly repent. That baptism is good enough. You don't need to repeat your baptism. It's not, a it's not a necessity. But if you want to receive baptism again, regardless, is that a sin? Well, it's one of those disputable matters because it's not clear-cut in the Holy Scriptures, right? However, what does Apostle Paul shed? What, what light does he shed upon this subject matter? In the book of Romans, although this is not contextually speaking about baptism or receiving baptism again, nevertheless, the principle is what we can apply with our situation there. In Romans 14, 22 to 23, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Here, Apostle Paul is kind of a, Entering into a discussion with some of the believers who are not agreeing concerning certain ideas and practices, like eating certain foods. 
And Apostle Paul in Romans 14, 1, he says these are disputable matters. And so what does he say? He says, if your conscience is bothering you, if you have doubt about it, and then you eat it, well, then you're condemned. <laughs> and so what Apostle Paul is saying is, if we have this belief that it's okay, it's not a sin, we receive baptism again, and we receive baptism by faith, then it's not a sin. Because anything that is done without faith, that is a sin. And so if you receive, if you receive baptism again, but in the back of your mind, you kind of feel guilty, right? Is this right? Should I receive baptism again? Then don't, don't do it. Apostle Paul is telling us if you have this personal belief about a disputable matter, don't force it upon everyone else. And so if you want to receive baptism again, you don't say, you know, everyone else should receive baptism. We cannot do that because there's no specific command about that, right? And so the point is, can we receive baptism again? It depends on your faith. What does your faith tell you? Why do you want to receive baptism again? Well, what's the purpose of baptism? What's the requirement of baptism? Receiving baptism, basically, when you think about it, is an expression of repentance, an expression of our faith. If, for example, you were baptized when you didn't really believe because you were only eight years old. You are baptized and you really did not have faith because you didn't really care. Then it might be a good idea to receive baptism again, right? If you want to receive baptism again because you now have a stronger faith, a deeper understanding, and you want to express that faith by receiving baptism again, and you're convinced that you should, then do it. If your heart moves you, do it. If you want to express faith to receive baptism again, I don't say anything wrong with that, especially now. Because in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, when our king says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we first received baptism, we did not know the name of the Father. We did not know the name of the Son. And so maybe because now you want to express your faith in Yahuwah and Yahushua, you want to proclaim that name and honor that name. And so you want to receive baptism again in the name of the Father, Yahuwah, and the Son, Yahushua. If that is your faith, then, by, then so be it. That receiving baptism using the actual name, that would be a blessing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a sin. I think that is a blessing to receive baptism again. However, it doesn't mean we have to. Because when we were baptized and we truly believe in the gospel message that Yahushua is our Lord, that he is the son of God, that he died and was resurrected so our sins can be forgiven, and we have a trust in Yahuwah and Yahushua, and we call now upon the name of Yahushua and Yahuwah, I think that would be good too. Okay, So it's really up to you to receive a baptism again in the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua, if you so want. Personally, me, I would love to receive baptism again, right? In the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua. But you may be different. You might have a different thinking. But for me, yes, I believe in the power of the baptism I receive. However, at the same time, I want to express my love for Yahuwah and Yahushua. Because when a person loves someone, you seek to know more about that person. 
right? This is why, because of our love for Yahoo and Yahusha, we sought to know more and to understand their names and the meaning of their beautiful names. And so if this moves you, would your, because of your love for Yahuwah, the love for the name to receive baptism again, that would not be a sin. That would be a blessing on our part. Okay? All right. That is our lesson. Uh, before we go ahead and conclude, let us first offer a prayer to Yahuwah. Almighty and everlasting Father, gracious Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much for blessing us this evening giving us the gift of your spirit that guides us as we study your holy book. Father, may you please bless everyone. Move the hearts of those who have not yet received baptism to request it, O Father, that they may be added into the body of your beloved son. Our King Yahushua, we will follow your teaching. We will make disciples of all nations. We will baptize them. May you help us in doing this. Help us in fulfilling your command that we may be fully prepared for the work of the kingdom that is fast approaching. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Help us to be united. Help us to be perfectly one in proclaiming the gospel truth. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.